Here's a sneak peek from this week's episode. So I also put those hotels, inns, bed and breakfast I'm looking at into Google Maps and save them to that same location so that I can see their proximity to the things that I want to do, such as dining and public transportation, attractions, towns. This is a very important factor because you don't want to spend all your time just because an accommodation looked like it was inexpensive, all your time getting there. I'm Scott. And I'm Melissa. And we are the Sunshine Travelers. Our passion is travel and sharing our experiences with those who enjoy it as much as we do, or those who want to learn more about travel, or even those that just want to live vicariously through our travel stories. No matter where you follow along that journey, get ready to hear about our firsthand experiences as we visit some of the most interesting and amazing places on Earth. This week, we venture into the topic of how to plan a trip. We are often asked if we use a travel agent when planning some of our great adventures. Planning a trip to an unknown place is some of the most intimidating parts of traveling. We hope that this episode will make that task a little less intimidating and encourage you to try new places that you've never been before. Plan for the adventure of a lifetime and do it like a pro. So grab your notepad and get ready to learn what goes into planning a trip. So let's tackle the question about using a travel agent first. Do you use a travel agent to plan our travels? Yes and no. I'm usually the planner, right? So on trips like the Galapagos, we used a travel agent local to the Galapagos to assist with the details of that trip. And so from what I have read, if you're going to do a trip like that, safari is the same way to try to use somebody local to that area. So it also It does a couple of things. It benefits their economy and the local people there, but then also they have that firsthand knowledge. So a trip like this, for example, yeah, we could have booked the cruise part, but like it was the whole thing, right? So they secured the Galapagos National Park pass already paid for, right? They did the air transportation between Quito and so things like that. So for those types of trips that you're going to have to have like the intermediate airline and stuff like that. I think also just there's a lot of processes that are unique to, in this case, to the Galapagos and to South America, that if you used a local, you know, local to you, a U.S.-based travel agent, they wouldn't have any insight into those processes whatsoever. So if they're just booking flights and accommodations and stuff like that, you're going to be sitting at the airport trying to figure out like, okay, what do I do next? Or they're going to ask you for some kind of form that you don't have because you weren't aware of it. So I think in those cases, that's where the, the, you know, it really benefits to have a local travel agent help you out. Right. Yeah. Because especially with them, like they had people who met us, who took us to the hotel, who brought our paperwork to us and the whole nine yards. And so also I think just having it local to there, like I said, it benefits their economy for them. But then I think as you're going to pay less as well. So there's definitely benefits to using a travel agent. If you don't have the, if you don't enjoy it and you just don't have the capacity to do, you know, in the time, then that's definitely going to benefit. But other reason I would say pick someone who knows that area first is you just don't want to end up in the most touristy places and the most whatever hotel. Like you want something that's been carefully curated to be, you know, some unique experiences and out of the way things too. Yeah, and by no means is this episode trying to say don't use travel agents uh, because really they provide a lot of value. Like on the Disney, for example, you know, those travel agents will put in and do a lot of the work for you and 
it doesn't cost you anything. So you're not paying any more for that trip than had you not used a travel agent, but all the work becomes on you. So, you know, we're not saying never use a travel agent. We're just saying that in a lot of the trips that we do, you don't need a travel agent to do these, right? And matter of fact, getting a travel agent in the U.S. to help you with foreign travel may not be the best thing for you because unless they're very familiar with where you're traveling, they're not going to come up with the best recommendations and solutions for you necessarily. Right. And so, and there are U.S.-based places that are completely like these people have been on these trips and they're very familiar. So just, I guess, do your homework too and ask for recommendations if you do decide to use a travel agent and just do your research. But, and I will also say you can use a travel agent for part of a trip, but not the whole trip. So when Mm -hmm. we did our six week trip to Europe, we actually booked the cruise through a travel agent, but it was interesting because I actually found out, ended up like as we were, she and I were going back and forth, I actually found the cruise and I was like, Hey, I see it for such and such a price. She ended up booking it for us and had some great recommendations because she was like, oh, I've been on that ship. And then like, do you like with cruises, for example, do you pay to like select your room? It's a little bit cheaper if you don't kind of like airlines, right? Where do you pay your selector sheet and, you know, and stuff like that. But with this, it's like, well, they, they would give it to you right away. And she was like, oh, any of these are going to be fine. So like, there's no point in paying more, which was interesting because like she would make more commission, right? If we paid more money, but she was just like, no, you don't need to do that. And she had been on that ship. So it really just you know, it really depends. So you can, you can have them help you with part of it or all of it. And so I would definitely, you know, use her again for that type of thing as well. So, 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 but usually we don't, many of our side trips are tacked on to other trips and I enjoy planning the details and looking for different things and stuff. All right. So we've got that out of the way. And let's just say that most of our trips, we don't use a travel agent. So where do you start? So when planning a trip, so you typically have one of these three scenarios is, and probably number one is probably the thing that most people do. So you want to go to a particular location. You know you want to visit that particular place. And your dates may vary just depending on when you have vacation. And so then you are free to research when is the best time to go. And then you're free to research, okay, how am I going to get there? You know, what flight? you know, what flights I'm going to take and then where am I going to stay? So I would say that is probably the most common where everything is open-ended. But the other thing that you may base a trip around is the flight. You may have found a good flight deal um, and then you know, okay, it's going to be at this particular time. And so that's also why it's helpful to have a bucket list so that when you see good flight deals, you know that you want to jump on them. Okay, I've been wanting to go there. And so I get flight deal alerts from Going, which used to be called Scotch Cheap Flights, but now um, it's called Going. So I'll link that in the show notes. So if you don't have a bucket list yet, let's get on that. So go back and listen to episode one. We'll give you some tips about how you can create a bucket list so you'll kind of know when when opportunities come up. So for example, when we had the opportunity to go to the Galapagos, we wanted to jump on that because that is something that was definitely on our bucket list. So once you have those flights booked based on those cheap flights, then you have to work out the details about where to go and what to do. And so at the end, I'm going to give some tips, though, about booking those cheap flights. 
And then finally, accommodation. So if this is somewhere that you've wanted to stay or you found a good deal on accommodations or sometimes we'll book some different special packages that are specific to, okay, we're going to stay in this hotel. Um, And so if this is the main driver for your trip, then you just need to research, okay, what do we want to do? And then how are we going to get there and work out those details? So one of those three drivers, depending on, um, you know, what kind of is the starting point for your trip. So if the trip location is the driver for your trip. I'll research the places that I know I want to visit or where we want to stay and kind of look at that simultaneously. This depends on if you're looking at one location to stay or if you kind of want to do more of a road trip. So for example, in London or in Edinburgh, then you'll want to stay at one location. And then, but if you want to get outside London or you want to do a road trip, Scotland or Ireland, um, then, or if you want to go to Alaska, some of the episodes that we've talked about, then the accommodations and the things to do and like those have to line up, right? Like these tours that you're going to do and everything has to line up so that you're a road trip. So you kind of need to kind of sketch that out at the same time. So usually in a place you're going to be familiar with some of the things that you want to see and do, you know, like big ticket things like Eiffel Tower, or you want to go to the British Museum, or you want to go to the Louvre or places like that, right? So but then you're also going to want to read travel books and blogs, listen to podcasts, you know, search on Pinterest, search on Google and try to find some of those resources to just get people's opinions about where to go and what to see. Not only the big things, but probably like you could look up, you know, what are some interesting things to do or out of the ordinary type things to do in locations, right? I'll often use Rick Steves books and guides to look at their must and their maybe recommendations and also to get itinerary ideas, which you can also, you know, find those on people's blogs as too, like by searching, you know, three days in Iceland, five days in Iceland or, you know, something like that. And then like I mentioned in the Scotland episode, well, I'll mark those places on my Google Maps under, you know, Scotland or Ireland or Iceland, you know, whatever. And I think those are good resources for starting that investigation. But, you know, like we found as we listen to or read people's posts on Amelia Island where we live here, like their recommendations are, you know, the the lighthouse, which is only open for two hours uh, a week and... You know, you can't even go inside it. You can only see the outside or restaurant that's now closed. So you got to just take those and be willing to take them as a kind of a starting point and then do your research into them further. Yeah. And that's absolutely a great point too. And also looking on opening hours and stuff too. And so that's why I kind of, I like to use Google maps, right? Because then it's, it's linked to like that particular business. So you can say, oh, these people are closed Sunday through Wednesday. Like if I'm going to visit on those days, or you'll see like a lot of museums are closed on Monday. So, right. You have to kind of plan your itinerary. I mean, that's a great point, Scott. So that plan your itinerary based on those things and see if these places are actually open and see if these accommodations are open and stuff like that. So use them as a starting point for sure. And always, always fact check as well. So if accommodations weren't a driver of the trip, once I kind of have a rough sketch of the locations and the amount of time we plan to visit, I'll start looking at those recommended you know, things, places people recommend or things I've heard about. Of course, I always check like Marriott properties. We have status with them and I use that Bonvoy and get points and things like that. And then, of course, I mention a lot on booking.com because if I'm doing a road trip, like I have all those things in one location, right? And I'm familiar with their cancellation policies. And then I just know that like every night's covered and I don't end up with a, you know, a gap there. Um, 
And as I mentioned in the Scotland episode, I tried to do what I did in Ireland and contact places directly, you know, small bed and breakfast. And I just went and hearing back from people and the trip was coming up and I needed to, you know, get those booked as well. So, so I also put those hotels in bed and breakfast I'm looking at into Google Maps and save them to that same location so that I can see their proximity to the things that I want to do, such as dining and public transportation, attractions, towns. This is a very important factor because you don't want to spend all your time just because a accommodation looked like it was inexpensive all your time getting there and so for example in london i mean you could spend an hour if you're staying somewhere where it's not close to anything or you're staying outside of paris or something like that um, or let's say you're going somewhere that's a road trip and there's no restaurants close by that might end up being like a terrible place to stay and you end up spending more time or money. So just balancing that and kind of knowing where everything is. So Melissa, let's plan a trip and invite our listeners along to experience this process firsthand. All right, Scott. So where do you want to go? Let's choose Paris. All right. So first thing you want to think about is what are the key attractions that you want to see there? So let's just start for this. Okay. Arc de Triomphe. Yeah, let's start there on this trip. So Eiffel Tower, Arc de Triomphe, Notre Dame, Louvre. Louvre. Okay. And then from there, I would look to see, are there other things that I'd like to do when I'm in Paris? Or do I have time to like go outside to the surrounding areas as well? So there I'll like do some Google searches, search on Pinterest so I can save the pins to a board and have those. Um, because a lot of times those will then go to buy to blog posts, things that people have posted. So things to do in Paris, what to see in Paris, what are some things not to miss in Paris. If you have a, a rough idea about the amount of time you want to spend, let's say you have five days. So so type in, you know, to one of those search engines, five days in Paris, and just kind of see what you come up with and just kind of do some research. So based on those searches, and you might add some things like Sin River Cruise, a day trip to Versailles, the Paris Catacombs Tour. You may want to go see the Moulin Rouge Cabaret Show, walking tour, walking food tour of Paris, a cooking class in Paris, Sacré-Cœur, the Musée d'Orsay or the Musée d'Orangerie. So again, take into account like how many days that you have and what can you realistically do? So some of those blog posts might actually help you say, okay, this is what is realistic, but you're also going to want to, in a place like Paris, you're also going to want to make sure that you have time to eat in some of the cafes and stop and get coffee and, you know, window shop or go into some of the shops as well. So that's might be where some of those blog posts for X number of days itineraries might help you do this. So from there, I would just list out your must your must things to do, right. right? So since this particular trip, Paris, is really location-based, um, so decide now, when are you going to go? And I mean, and you could do this, like you could have done the other on the flip side, but by, in a place like this, planning out, here's all the things I want to see, it will kind of also help you judge, you know, how many days do I need as well? So if... So I want to be in Paris when the weather's nice, where I can enjoy the most sitting outside in cafes and things like that. Yeah, so that's a great point. So now just search, yeah, when's the best time to go to Paris and look at like temperatures and also balance the cost, knowing that summer travel is going to be more crowded and more expensive. So you might want to then say, okay, what does it look like to go in the late spring or the early fall? Because you and I have been in January before. And while it was doable and whatever, it was cold, right? right. You're bundled up and you can't really like be outside for long periods of time. And really, I mean, 
cafes did have heaters and stuff like that. But anyway, so balancing that and then also looking, is there a big, so starting to look at some of those dates. So from here, shop both or like preliminarily shop, I would say both flights and accommodations at the same time, because you want to make sure that both are reasonable during that time. And then also that they fit into your budget, right? If they're having a big something in the middle of Paris and like the hotel, the the hotel rooms are like all booked up, right? And then uh, they're going to be really expensive for what's left. That might not be a good time, you know, to go. So, so we won't get into all the details of booking flights, but here's kind of a good starting point. So search on Google, use Google flights and search. And if you put in your starting airport and then your ending airport and then click on the cat, like the calendar dates and bring up the calendar and it'll show you kind of the price ranges for that particular time period. So obviously you, you may have heard like, oh, it's more expensive to fly on this day or that day, that kind of thing. It's going to really show you like the starting points of the least expensive flight. So just because it says like, let's just say $409, like you may not be able to get a flight that works for you for that, but that's going to kind of be the starting point. But if you're seeing it over $1,000, right? You probably want to say, okay, let me look at some dates. If you are flexible, right? Let me look at some dates where that is going to work. And so then you can put those in and set different flight alerts on Google to start watching those as well. And it also, it will tell you like these flights are high for that, you know, this is not typical or these flights are typical or these flights are low for that as well. So it kind of will kind of give you an idea about average price for that location. So are you booking the flights through Google Flights? Definitely not booking the flights through Google Flights. And I was going to mention this and I will mention it again. You always want to book your flight directly through the airline. And that just, you know, you'll see flights on all kinds of different places, but you always want to end up, you can search for them there. But just in case there's delays or cancellations or any of that stuff, it's best to go directly through the airline so that you could quickly get rebooked and, you know, just whatever happens. So always, that's just a big tip, always book directly through the airline. Um, so I also recommend then when you're looking at accommodations, putting all the things you came across that you want to see and do into the Google Maps, pin them to the folder. So let's say we're going to make a folder that says Paris. We're going to pin all those things. We're going to pin the accommodations. And then go ahead, if you, if they recommend restaurants and cafes and go ahead and put them in so that when you actually get there and you go there, you can say, okay, here I am. Here are some things that people recommended that are right around me. Even if you're not, you know, making hotel or I'm sorry, restaurant reservations and stuff like that. And you definitely may want to do that ahead of time, but this would just be for like for future reference. That would probably be the last thing that I do as well. So so then, of course, search for accommodations based on your searches for hotel loyalty, for locations and things like that as well. And probably the one of the biggest tips is just don't wait too long to pull the trigger on those flights. Kind of watch them. There's, there are some other sites like Hopper where it'll tell you, okay, the prices aren't ex, are expected to rise more. They're expected to go down. You, can, you could also plug them into that and kind of watch those because they do get more expensive the closer to the trip that you get. And um, the fewer seats that are still available. That's right. And the fewer seats that are still available as well. So yeah. And um, so once you have your hotel and your flight, I would say probably book those, let's say definitely book those first, right? So make sure that you have the flight, make sure that you have the hotel and get those locked in. And then I would definitely go ahead and book those tours and tickets of the must-see things that you want to do. So like if you want to go up in the Eiffel Tower, like get a ticket for that because that is something that sells out 
that you, you know, wouldn't be able to do or do a skip the lawn or something like that. Book a ticket to the Louvre. You want to go out to Versailles, book that ticket um, and go ahead and get those squared away just to avoid disappointment. You hate to say, okay, we're going to Paris and this is what we're going to do. And now we can't go in that. And then also your other transportation, if if that's a factor, may not be for this trip because like if you're using the Metro and stuff like that, but let's say you're going somewhere else in France or somewhere like that, go ahead and book those train tickets too, because while they may look and it's like, oh, it's not very expensive. But again, if that train fills up, it could be like, we've seen it be like more expensive to take the train through from like London to Paris through the channel than it is to fly, right? If you get too close and you don't pre-book those types of tickets. So just a few things to be aware of. So I would definitely say train tickets and of course, intermediate flights and things like that. Get all that stuff booked if you have to do all those other things. So... The other thing too is that, so tickets with places, like if you're booking it directly with the museums and stuff like that, those aren't going to be refundable or cancelable. But if you do tickets like on Viator and things like that, they usually have a quite a generous cancellation policy. And those are the ones that I look for like 24 hours in advance, just in case like something happens or somebody gets sick or whatever that you can still cancel. Or you but, change your mind. Yeah, yeah. Or you change your mind or yeah, because we've done that before. I've booked... I booked tours and then found something else. I was like, oh, I really like this one better. This one would suit us better or it's less expensive or it would just work better. And so there's no problem to cancel those at all as well. So I would, but I would definitely, those things that you have on your list, that these are the things that we must see, I would, I would buy those tours and the tickets. So get your flights and get your hotel. And the other thing about a hotel that I wanted to mention is that, you know, if you, if you're just not 100% sure, but you see one that's that's good, you maybe want to keep looking. If you've booked it on a site where you can cancel that or change that, yeah, you may have to pay a deposit, but make sure it's 100% refundable. And a lot of those, like even, you know, sometimes it's the day before, sometimes it's a few days before or a week, that, that way you know that you have something, but then you can kind of give yourself a little bit more time to, you know, keep looking. Yeah. So, And we have a link for Viator that we can put out there for all of our listeners to use. Yes, absolutely. And so, and then we also have, so if you're on our favorites page, we also have the ones that we, you know, have done and recommend and, and, and used it for as well. But we haven't done anything with them that I haven't been completely happy with as well. So I would do that, you know, flights and hotels kind of just make sure that once you book one, you book the other so that you don't, the price doesn't go way up or you can't get something and then you're then you're just kind of stuck with that as well. And then getting those tours and and stuff nailed down, leaving some room, like I mentioned, for other things that you if something comes up and just just know that, you know, those must that see things get them booked. So I did want to point out. So here's some really helpful tips for booking in general. So flights are the hardest thing to change. Right. So once you get those locked in, unless you pay. So, I mean, typically there is a way to pay for a non-refundable or a refund, completely refundable fare. Right. But you're going to pay typically a lot more for that. So usually if you have the one that's non-refundable, yes, you can get a flight credit, but then you have to make sure that you would use it with that airline. So a couple of tips with that. So if you, if you book with points though, that is a lot, that can be more flexible, right? You can cancel that you get your points back and stuff like that. I mean, I know you don't always have those, but just, just something to be aware of. Um, so you'll want to make sure that when you book these again, that there's hotels available and there's not something huge going on so that there's nothing left. 
So if you do book a flight deal, it's also important to know that flights are completely cancelable within 24 hours of booking, regardless of how you've booked them. So that's also a good thing just to double check and make sure that you haven't made a mistake as well too, like on your on your dates and times and that you didn't book your spouse on a um, different flight. Never. <laughs> Or anything like that. So, of course, we didn't catch that until like we were trying to get on the plane. But anyway, that's another story for another day. But just that's a good thing to know. I don't know that a lot of people necessarily know this, that when you book a flight, no matter what fare you book, it's it's cancelable 24 hours. So a lot of times you can like look at these cheap flights, you see a great deal, book it on the spot. Because some of these, like if they're mistake fares or something like that, they may go completely away. Book it and then immediately, you know, spend some time trying to see if you can, you know, make sure that something's not going on crazy and you can get hotel accommodations. And then, if, you know, it, or it, it works out with your schedule, your spouse's schedule, your friend's schedule, whoever, and then you can get that book. So that would be tip number one. Tip number two. F- for our friend Lee, you should make sure that your spouse actually booked you a ticket. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, number two, once you book that flight or hotel, book the other one pretty quickly so that you'd make sure that the prices don't skyrocket. Like Scott mentioned, if the, you know, the flight, the seats get sold up, right? Those ticket prices are going to go up, just supply and demand. I actually made this mistake when we were going to St. John. We knew that we were going to this particular hotel on this particular day, and I just didn't get on the ball and book those flights. And then when I looked, it was like, it cost what? So we had to, (laughs) that was, yeah, that was a bad mistake on my part. So we had to end up, well, I say had to. So we ended up going to Puerto Rico and then checking that on. So it, it wasn't a bad thing at the end of the day. But uh, so again, like I mentioned, even if you have to pay a deposit at the hotel, there's usually cancellation policies. So but I would go ahead and secure something flight wise, hotel wise first. And then number three, definitely book your attraction tickets and tours. If it's something that you really want to do, go ahead and get those tickets, book it. The worst thing is visiting a bucket list location like Paris and not being able to go up into the Eiffel Tower if that's what you want to do or go into the Louvre or go out to see Versailles or the catacombs or just whatever it is. So let's talk real quick. Um, When we went to Milan, right, this was a trip that just went totally sideways. I think we might have talked about it in another trip. Uh, or another episode, but we were headed to Dublin, Ireland. My work schedule had changed and I needed to go to Switzerland before that trip. Right. And so we ended up detouring through Switzerland and then we looked and said, okay, well the, the best way for us to get to Dublin from here is out of Milan. And so we went into Milan to take that flight to Dublin. Well, we said, okay, we're in Milan. What are some of the things that you want to do when you're in Milan? Well, you want to go see the... Oh, I knew what I wanted to do if we were going to Milan. We wanted to go see the painting of the Last Supper, right? But because we were booking it at kind of last minute, it was sold out. But we saw the painting of the Last Supper. We did. So I got to look at how, what, how can you do this? And so I actually, that was one of the tours that we booked on Viator is that you could take a walking tour of Milan with the guide and it ended at the Last Supper. And so, of course, they had already pre-purchased those tickets as part of that tour. And so then we got a really great overview. I mean of the city and lots of other things and then got to end at the last supper. So there are ways around that. And we do also talk about in our cruise excursion episode that 
when we booked that cruise, the Granada and Granada, the Alhambra was sold out. And so through Viator or through the cruise, it was sold out. But through Viator, I was able to book it as well. Um, so just making sure. But then, of course, on the spot, you know, are you going to be able to get stuff? But maybe. So that yeah. might be an option. You might get to a place and go to the ticket window. No, we're sold out. So look to see if you could join a last minute ticket on Viator or ask at the hotel as well. Right. You might be able to ask at the concierge at the hotel. Like if they know of something, a lot of times they have tickets that they can get reservations that they can get as well. So that's a good, that's yeah. a good point to, to, uh, to my point in that, that was that if, if buying the tickets directly don't work or it doesn't work for some reason, don't give up. Look for alternative ways to accomplish the same thing. Right. Absolutely. That's a yeah, that's a great point. Uh, OK, so then number four. Also, if you need rental car, train tickets, intermediate flights, be sure to go ahead and book those ahead of time as well. Like I mentioned, train tickets are usually cheaper if booked in advance. And then lastly, I recommend that you keep a spreadsheet or a document. I say spreadsheet just because it's easier to kind of organize by day for all your trim, trip information. So I like to kind of in include a sketch day by day of what we plan to do, where to stay, maybe where to eat, just things that have been recommended. Cause you know, as we talk about, we're not good about making reservations and then any accommodations, flights, tickets, transportation, along with reservation numbers and phone numbers, especially for hotels and things like that, just so you have everything in one place. I usually like to keep this stuff on my phone, but just in case like something happens with your internet or something like that, it is probably a good idea to like print out a copy as well. And then it's also a great way to be able to send this to family and friends back home when you're leaving, just so they'll kind of know, okay, here's in general where they're going to be and here's how we can get in touch with them. So Scott, you think we can make a template, make it available for people to use just kind of like a trip sketch that they could, you know, modify and use for their trips? Yeah, I think that's completely doable. Yeah. So we will get that done and we'll have, we can put a link in the show notes to that as well. I thought we had done almost everything in Paris. Sounds like we'll have to put it back on our list and hit a few more of these must-see or must-do activities. The idea behind this episode is to give you a glimpse into what goes into planning a trip. Melissa really enjoys this part, so she usually steps in and does most of it, or all of it. But if this is too overwhelming for you, don't hesitate to contact a travel professional to help you out. At least get the logistics worked out. Also, check our website at sunshinetravelers.com for sample itineraries. We put them out there often on different trips that we've taken. And if you have a tip for planning trips that works for you, we'd love to hear that as well. Leave us a comment or send us a message. We're inspired by your travel stories. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll find some inspiration to help you with your travel journeys. Please consider going on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. The more five-star reviews we have, the more likely we are to be featured and discovered by others. Make sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new episodes as they are released. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram as Sunshine Travelers Podcast. Remember, it's travelers with one L. And most importantly, share it with your friends and help them catch the travel bug. You never know, they may become your greatest travel companion.